such a privilege to be with you. It really is. I, I was thinking about that kind of pinch in myself, that I get to be with your pastors and your leadership team, and I get to be with you as a church. I get to be with Pastor Eric Butler and minister alongside him. I mean, how many of you know that would be pretty cool to do, wouldn't it? So to work in tandem with him and to be with you and to see what God is doing in your midst, it's profound. And I hope you recognize the special days that you're in. Amen. I remember years ago, my dad is a prophet, and I remember years ago he had a message when he first came to Moses Lake, and the message was God wants to establish a habitation, not just a visitation. Amen. And, and I have a sense about you that God is establishing a habitation and not just a visitation. He's doing an ongoing thing that's going to go, as Pastor J.O. said last night, from glory to glory to glory. Amen? Amen? So just claim it with me. That'll be the case. We know theologically he did establish a habitation. When Jesus took up a body, when he tabernacled and housed himself, uh, I, I love that phrase, it became God in a bod for us, right? When he did that and he tabernacled himself, then he went to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, and we became the temple of the Holy Spirit on planet Earth. He established a habitation. We know that theologically. We know it legally. We know it biblically. But there's a difference when that biblical reality becomes a spiritual, actually lived out, practical reality. We live it here and now. Amen? And that's what I believe God is doing in your midst. And this has nothing to do with what I'm going to share with you, but I'm going to get there in a minute. Uh, I just, I, I had something really, um, I, I, that was kind of funny. You know, many of you might not know this, but, but uh, Topher grew up in our church. I was at the hospital when Topher was born. Okay, so I welcome Topher into the world. All right, and I love that guy, but have you ever noticed when he's doing announcements, he has this little smirk on his face all the time. You ever noticed, you ever picked up on that smirk like something is up behind those eyes and that smirk, and I know that smirk. That little boy was in our church with that smirk doing stuff. <laughs> it's true. I was looking at those announcements today, and I was looking at that smirk, and I thought, man, I know that smirk. That's called mischief. Personified, right? So I just, I love you, Topher. You are such a joy and a pleasure, and I, I just... I'm so pleased, I'm so blessed by God that God planted you here, put you in this family, and you're a miracle, and God's hand is on your life, and you're going to go so far in him, bro. I just, I, I see such amazing things opening up for you, and vistas opening up for you in the years to come, and stay planted and rooted. You're going to have a season that's going to blow you away and amaze you, and you're going to multiply many sons and daughters in the faith, and uh, God is, is, is just going to expand out from you. You're going to be a multifaceted picture of what Jesus is like to your generation and beyond. And because you have said, I'm going to embrace the fathers and I'm going to embrace the children, the Lord says, I'm going to make you a bridge between the generations. And you're going to be a bridge builder and a gap builder. You're going to be one that brings races together, ages together, socioeconomic classes together. And the Lord's going to raise you up and make you a voice to the nation and to the nations. And your day is coming 
Solomon. So rest in me, relax in me, don't strive, says the Lord. I got your back and I got your front and I'm taking you somewhere and we're going together. I'm in charge of you, son, says the Lord. Your father who loves you, your Abba who loves you, your daddy who delights in you, he's pleasured in you. Wow. Mm. And Jamie, I just, I, I, I can't talk to him without saying something to you, right? There's so much inside you. Change agent. I think that was the word that was over you the other night. Uh, uh, change agent or something like that. I, I just want to tell you, there's a, there's a strong, strong prophetic prophetess spirit inside of you as well. And you're going to stand. And you, I know you already do it to some degree, but you're going to preach with fire. And you're going to preach prophetically. And you're going to just, you're going to read people's mail while you're speaking. You're going to be right in the middle of speaking. And God's just going to point people out to you. And you're going to speak to them and bring them a word of life. And you're going to be a liberator. Because God has put the liberator's heart in you. You want to see people free. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty I'm free at last. That's going to ring out from your ministry and from you guys as a couple. You just got a beautiful heart, beautiful heart, beautiful spirit. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow, this is getting fun up here. It's all, all fun up here in this space. I'm not even sure what to do now. And You know, that's... You get all thrown off, right? It is so, so good to be with you. Amen, amen. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll just go with it, right? Wow. Oh, I had a thought and it went away. Let me tell you one of the funniest things about being a preacher, um, what I call the preacher's dilemma, is you get a lot of stuff that runs around up here. And isn't it true, Pastor J.O.? Catching it is the hard stuff. It's like, woo, 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 woo. Gotcha, you know, and if you don't hold on, you'll lose it just in a matter of seconds. So um, I think I'm, I think I'm going to go somewhere right now in the Bible. That might be a good thing. And, uh, and if you're a guest here, if, if, if this is your first time here and you're going, what is going on? Um, you know, one of the things about this church, and I'm a guest as well, but one of the things about this church is this church believes that God Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is still actively at work in the church. Um, this church believes that, you know, when the Bible was completed, God didn't quit talking. Um, that, that God didn't quit doing miracles. That God didn't quit healing bodies, minds, souls. That he's an active, living God. And if you have come from a background or a tradition that's a little bit different than that, um, I just want to encourage you that God has your number. He knows you by name and he loves you. And, um, and so what I just did a moment ago in speaking over Topher and Jamie is I, I gave them a word of prophecy. And that is God revealing his heart, his mind, and his will for someone. And, uh, you know, they have to test it and weigh it. They have to prove it. <clears throat> Excuse me. They have to be sure that it's for them. And they have a stewardship of what was given to them, the management of it. But uh, my job is just to kind of deliver it to them. So that's the gift of prophecy that the Holy Spirit gives, and that's what was happening right there, just so you know. Okay, so I need to hurry up here, don't I? Okay. Oh, I like that clock on the back. It says sermon, and then it has a countdown. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, and the seconds are ticking away while I'm drinking my water, okay? 
Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that um, you care about every person and every story in this room. And that when you look out on this crowd, you see the individuals. And so, Lord, speak both uh, through the word corporately, but also take this word and customize it to each heart and each age and stage of life. And uh, let it come home to right where people live and be an encouragement. Lord, I, I especially pray today for people who feel like they've failed beyond repair or feel like they have um, gone too far or missed the boat or that they're out of your will or that they had their chance and it went away. I pray you'd show them, Lord, that you're the God that restores. You're the God of second chances. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Catherine of Siena, a very well-known Dominican nun, Roman Catholic Dominican nun from the 1300s said this, Dear Lord, it seems you are so madly in love with your creatures that you could not live without us. So you created us, and then when we turned away from you, you redeemed us. Yet you are God and have no need of us. Your greatness is made no greater by our creation. Your power is made no stronger by our redemption. You have no duty to care for us, no debt to repay us. It is love and love alone which moves you. Amen? God is moved toward you. You know, Jesus, one of the things about him that you see throughout the Gospels, throughout the New Testament, is that he was moved. You see these, these words, moved with compassion. You see the Savior who had the ability, and we see it in a number of places in the New Testament. Matthew 9 is one example. It says he, he looked out upon the multitudes. He looked out upon the crowds, and he recognized that they were like sheep without a shepherd, that they'd gone astray, that they, they were broken, they were harassed, they were cast down, they were tormented. And he, he turned to his disciples. Can you imagine Jesus turns to his disciples and says, man, these crowds, these, these multitudes, they're ready right now. We don't have enough people in the game. We need all hands on deck. We need laborers. We need people who will get in their life. And then he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. But one of the things that's always struck me when I look at Jesus is that he doesn't just look at a crowd, but he looks at individuals. And he, he, he looks at you. His eye is on you. He has the ability to focus on you, the individual, and know the thoughts, the intents of your heart, and to come to you in compassion and love. He's moved to move toward you. Amen? And I, wanna, I just want to look at a story. And, um, uh, you know, another preacher's dilemma is that we always over-prepare and we have too much to say in too short a time. So God's going to help me. But I want you to look with me in John chapter 21. It's kind of a long text, so I'm going to read it. And then we'll get right into a few thoughts from it. And I really am going to do a few thoughts because we want to have a ministry time. But John chapter 21, and let me give you a little bit of the backstory. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, has come and fulfilled his mission on earth. He has been born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. He's come into his public ministry. He's preached. He's taught. He's done miracles. 
You know, he's walked on water and raised the dead and multiplied fish and loaves. He's done all these amazing things. He's taught the most sublime and practical and amazing teachings of all time. He's changed people's lives. He's transformed human hearts. And, and, and his popularity grew and grew. And the crowds got bigger and bigger. And then he started saying stuff that was kind of controversial. You know, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And people freaked out and started leaving him. And he finally comes to the point where his ultimate love, his ultimate perfection, his ultimate light was too bright, and we killed him for it, right? We killed him. And he was hung on a cross, and he was there to bear our sin, and he bore our sin, he took our sin, he took our shame, he took our failure, he took uh, the judgment, the damnation that we deserved. He's crucified, he's laid in a tomb, and everybody thinks it's over, and all the authorities think it's over. And the Jewish leaders of that time who had, uh, you know, pushed for him to be crucified and tried him unjustly, they're just glad. They're wiping their brows and going, we're done with him. And then we know what happens. He rises from the dead. And now he's risen from the, yeah, amen. He's risen from the dead. And, and, and more than just an individual rising from the dead, he initiated a whole new creation. That's something we miss many times. The resurrection was not just one man coming back from death. The resurrection was Jesus coming out of a tomb and starting a new creation. He came out in a garden. Adam, Adam and Eve fell in a garden, and they were kicked out. Now he's rising from the dead in a garden. A tomb is opening. He's coming out the door, and he's inaugurating a new creation people, a new creation. He's kicking off a whole new regime. That's what he did. A whole new regime full of people, full of the same resurrection spirit that raised him from the dead. That's what the resurrection is. It's the beginning of a new creation. So we see after that, he appears to his disciples a number of times, and he comes to this particular encounter with them. And I'm just going to read it and then make a few comments. Um, and I, I know I already said that, so shut up, Doug, and let's move on. Verse 1. <clears throat> after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to him, I'm going fishing. And you know as well as I do that what we do when we're kind of confused about our destiny and our future, we don't know where things are going, and we feel like we've blown it, is we go back to what's comfortable, don't we? He says, I'm going fishing. And just to demonstrate what a leader he was, they said to him, we will go with you. Right? And they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Does this sound familiar? You remember a story similar to this in Luke 5? So they're out all night. They catch nothing. And just as day was breaking, I want you to notice the language, just as day was breaking. I love that language. Where was I? I lost myself. Okay. Okay. Jesus stood on the shore. I, I love it. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And, and just say this with me. Duh. Amen. We, isn't that a common thing with his disciples? Okay. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. 
And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, I love Peter, he put on his outer garment, or he put, yeah, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Forrest Gump. Remember the scene? He's out there on the shrimp boat, and he sees Dan on the shore. He sees him, and what's he do? He jumps in, right? Peter is Forrest Gump. Okay, here we go. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, and fish laid out on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of the large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the fish and gave it to them and so with the or the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, <clears throat> just to cut to the quick of where I'm going with this, I want to give you hope today. If you're here and you feel like you've blown your chance, you've blown your opportunity, or you've been in a season of your walk with Jesus where you, in your own heart, feel almost like, I've betrayed him, I've walked away from him. Because I want you to remember Peter denied that he knew him three times, right? So I'm going to give you hope today, and I want you to know that God is the God of the new harvest, a new feast, and a new day for your life, the day of restoration for you. So I want you to just, let's walk through this really quick. The first thing Jesus says is, children, do you have any fish? And that word children is just a word that means young child, a term of endearment. So he's like a father asking his frustrated child, are you having a hard time picking up that stone, Johnny? Let me help you out. And then, do you have any fish? And I, I love this because it shows how much he cares about even the little things in our life. Are you making any progress? Are, are you getting anywhere with your own course of action? Is it working for you? And, of course, their answer was no, nothing. And then he says, you know, cast your, your net on the other side of the boat, on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast their net. And, and I love how whenever Jesus commands, when there's a sound from Jesus, the provision comes. The miracle comes right to the net. It's almost like they jumped into the net, right? And, and it says... They cast it. They're unable to haul it in because there's a great quantity of fish. And they didn't, they didn't ask any questions. They didn't doubt him at all. And even though they weren't able to haul it in, they continued to, to do, make every effort they could. Their human strength failed, and yet God was still in the midst of what they were doing. And then I, I just want to take you back for a moment because this is something prophetic for you. To Luke chapter 5, and I, I want you to notice um, this particular story, it's really important for you to see it, verses 1 through 11, but I want to look especially at verses 4 through 8, similar experience. It said, and when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were break, and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So Simon's 
This was not Simon's first encounter with Jesus. This was his second or third encounter. But this is when he really began to see who Jesus was. And the only response he can have to this miracle and the wonder of this person that he's been following is I have to fall at your feet. But I want you to notice something. And this is for you prophetically. As I was, actually, I got this word in the middle of the night. I wasn't sleeping real great. And I I had this text come to me. And what I felt for you was I, I saw the Lord doing a regional work So I began to see in my mind's eye, I'm just going to prophesy, the Lord says, I'm going to do a work in this region that is going to astound and amaze you. That even if I would tell you, you would not believe it, says the Lord, but believe it, says the Lord. For I'm going to begin to bring a harvest unlike this region has ever seen in its history. Yea, even as in the days of... John G. Lake, when miracles happen and healings happen, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do beyond. I'm going to take you beyond. I'm going to go way beyond, says the Lord. I'm going to bring two states together, and I'm going to bring the region together, and I'm going to bring a harvest, and you're going to be key in the midst of it. Yes, even when I begin to fill up those nets, says the Lord, they will not break. But I'm saying to you, my people, don't be afraid to share what I'm doing. Call for help from the other boats. Call to the other churches in the region. For the Lord says, I'm going to do a regional work that's going to take more than one church. It's going to be a body of Christ work. It's going to be a regional church work. It's going to be my people joining together arm in arm and hand in hand. And I'm going to bring in my nets and a great harvest unlike you've ever seen, says the Lord. For I've seen your heart. I've seen your prayers. I've seen your tears. And you've sown in tears, so you shall reap in joy, says the Lord. You're going to bring your sheaves with you, rejoicing to the house of the Lord. For God is going to do what he promised to do even to the grandparents even to the great grandparents for I see generation after generation sowing in tears and the Lord says now you're going to be a part of a harvest generation and see me work in this region unlike ever before and there shall be a a sense of an astounding work of God that many will hear about from abroad not just from the nation but from the nations and they shall visit the visitation of what God is doing and I shall draw them from north, south South, east and west and everything you have need of I will build says the Lord provision and people provision and people will come for I am a faithful God and I'm going to do what I promised I would do says the Lord Lord does region include Moses Lake yes okay name it and claim it blab it and grab it Confess it and possess it. Two states, amen. Wow. Now you see how easy it is to get distracted when you're doing this, huh? Now now back to the story in John. John looks and he, he notices immediately. This, this looks like something that's happened before. This is a, a Luke 5 miracle. Huh. I see the hallmarks all over that of the goodness of God. And and I want you to see it in your own life because some of you have experienced seasons of visitation and God's grace and kindness in your life and he he did a work in the past and then you wondered or you got discouraged or you got run over. Life came, you got busy. Maybe you started having babies or you went through a tragedy or you experienced a time of a business failure or maybe you even fell morally or ethically or you just, you lost your heart. You ever lost your heart before? And you have been believing the lie 
that mm, I'm done. God's done with me. And my word to you today is God's not done with you. Look around. There are the hallmarks of, and this is what John says to Peter, it is the Lord. He immediately recognized the touch, the handiwork, the fingerprints of Jesus all over that moment. The disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. He says, it's the Lord. He recognizes Peter leaps in faith when he sees Jesus. And then this is the part I really, really want you to, to see. In, in verse 8, it says, the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not from the land, but about 100 yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place and fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Bring some of the fish you've just caught. And Simon Peter went, and um, there was a bunch of fish, 153, and the net wasn't torn. And Jesus said, come have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Now, this is what I want you to see. Every single element of that story is so important. There was a charcoal fire, there was fish, and there was bread. And it's as though Jesus is saying, come to the feast. Come and sit down. This is the feast of restoration. The sound this weekend, it's a feast of restoration. It's God speaking words of restoration over you. But here's what's important. Do you know the only other time charcoal fire is found in the entire New Testament. The word charcoal fire is found when Peter is standing around a fire, a charcoal fire, denying that he knows Jesus three times. And so Jesus, to bring to his memory that it's restoration time, you remember he denied three times he knows him. Later on in this same chapter, Jesus said, Simon Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. It was restoration time. And Jesus started restoration time with a feast. He started restoration time with a meal. He invited him in. He said, come on in here. Sit down with me. Let's have a fire. Let's have some fish. Let's have some bread. Let's have communion. Let's get in here real close. Let's once again remember you're part of me and I'm part of you. I called you. You're my son. You're my daughters. You're the people of God. I am restating you, reinstating you, restoring you, renewing you, and reviving you. Your day's not done. I'm still working. I'm still the one. I can do what I said. I and faithful and true I always come through don't you doubt me for a minute I'm the God who's in it you watch what I'll do I am the Lord God Almighty I restore the broken ones I restore the lost ones I restore the faithless ones and then he says bring some of what you've caught and he provided it but bring some of what you've caught, and the net wasn't torn. Come have breakfast. And some doubted. They knew it was the Lord, but he feeds them. And he invites you and I to feast with him in his new creation. He invites us to feast. Can I have the worship team come? He invites us today. He invites you to a feast of restoration. He invites you. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, I don't feel like I've even failed real big or anything, but I don't know. It's just, it's not happening. God's not speaking to me. 
God's presence seems to have moved to Mars. You ever been there in your life? Maybe you're in a dark night of the soul. And, and it's not because of anything you've done. Listen to me now. The accuser of the brethren comes to us in those times in our life, even when we haven't sinned or failed, and tries to convince us it's what you've done. It's because you've blown it. And, and you, you find yourself speculating. You ever been there? You're, you're searching your memory banks. Which sin was it? What thing is it that I did that caused you to go away from me, Lord? And, and it's nothing. It's nothing. His seeming distance is actually proof of his great love for you. Your hunger's growing. Your desire, your yearning, your seeking, right? Come on, people of God. He's the God of restoration, and he invites you today to a restoration feast. This is where Pastor J.O. said, you know, you can give a little bit of an amen or a, come on, amen, or uh-huh, or a good word, or come on now. Yeah. But I, I just want you to know, I, I, I love the people of God, and I, I, I want you to know you're loved. And you're invited today. You're invited. There's a feast happening right here, right now. There's a table being spread for you. And he wants you to eat. He invites you to come. He even says, bring some of what you've got. Come on, let's eat together. Let's eat together. Amen? Why don't we, why don't we just take a minute and let this settle in and let's go into worship. And I'll, I'll be right back in a second. But why, why don't you stand with me and come on, let's worship him. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for people, each one individual, each one beautiful, each one unique, each one profoundly, creatively made by you, intricately made by you. Lord, I ask you to speak right now. Speak to your people. Move on every heart, on every mind. Restore, Lord, the fallen and the broken. Restore those who've even denied that they knew you. Lord, give hope to the one battling with doubt right now. Lord, clear up the intellectual doubt with an encounter from you. In the name of Jesus.